uh, Hillary has been lengthening her excuses as to why uh, she lost the election. She didn't really lose the election. It was stolen from her uh, by, I think it's up to 24 different excuses she has now. Number 24 is content farms in Macedonia. And uh, as I said, uh, my grandfather was a uh, Macedonian content farmer. And uh, we often think about, you know, gathering on the porch and recalling the old days on the Macedonian. I never thought, he never thought that the old content farmers he left behind in Macedonia would one day steal the U.S. presidential election. They are gnarled, hardworking Macedonian peasants and the way they were able to reach out and uh, steal the election from the percent. The number was on Zoran Zayev's mind for the past few weeks. Healthcare Minister Vinko Filipce told him that he ran the numbers five times, and the result was always the same. The coronavirus is not that deadly to the general population. But on election day, well, older people are the ones who vote. Add to that the confined close quarters, the expected rush of voters in the early hours, all trying to beat the crowd and the virus, and be the first to vote. Even with masks and asking people to bring their own pens, the death rate among those who come to the polls will be at least 3%, Philippe J. said. And yet, in Zayev's mind it was clear, there is no other choice. Sure, he could postpone the elections until September or even December when they are supposed to be held anyway, but he might as well flee the country now if that's the case. By then, the economy will be in tatters, the few hundred millions he borrowed having been long spent and the government would be due at least three salaries for the public sector and at least one month worth of pensions. No politician alive can be asked to go to the polls in such conditions. No, it was clear. The elections must take place now, June, July at the latest. That way he would still have a chance. The money is still flowing, but barely, and those who were fired are still in four low five figures. The public sector is still paid full freight, even though odds of this going on for much longer are very slim. He would still lose, but not by much, although dragging even the most diehard citizen voters to the polling places is going to be a uh, rhymes with which. Heck, with the Albanian partners and their lax approach to election security, he could even eke out a narrow win, if nobody objects too much to a 99% turnout in ethnic Albanian villages. It's unlikely he would last a full second term, not that he would want that. Ruling over a national collapse and economic ruin is not his thing. He was more into being lauded by the internationals in Davos and Munich as a visionary. But would buy him a little more time to do what he was installed to do and plan for his exit strategy. And surely that's worth the lives of 15,000 of his voters. That's it, Zayev decided. We're going to the polls. We'll discuss all of this and more on this episode of the Macedonian Content Farmers Podcast. I'm Jason Miko, coming to you from the mostly free and sovereign state of Arizona. And this is Tvetan Shulemanov calling in from Zav's police state of Macedonia. <laughs> Today is Monday, May the 4th. May the 4th be with you, uh, Svetin. So Live long uh, and prosper. <laughs> yes, it's also, uh, the uh, we remember the uh, the death of Gotze Delchev, um, Josip Broz Tito, uh, uh, who else? Sorry? Uh, Vaskelieva died on this yes. day as well, the famous yeah. singer. It's quite an it's quite a day. Yeah. Wow, there's a lot going on. Uh, there's a lot, lot went on. <laughs> and, it all it all depends on who you whose death you commemorate today. Is it <laughs> God says or Titus? It says a lot about you, although not as much as it used to, because now the Titoists are 
somehow pro-Bulgarian. I mean, go figure. It's oh, wow. uh, getting real complicated you, now. You know, this is uh, the month of May, May 25, which is uh, three weeks from today, I think, uh, is okay. the day that I celebrate my my relationship, my beginning of my relationship with Macedonia. It was 24 years ago on May 25, but we'll get to that in a future podcast. That was I, also I, Tito's I'm, birthday, if I remember. I think it was national holiday. Uh, no, his, his birthday is May 7. I haven't I haven't pulled up here on my uh, screen. So, uh, but May 25 is when I first came to Macedonia. But anyway, my point being, I remember when I was first in Macedonia, the first few years, every I think it was May, right around this time, we would hike mm -hmm. Tito Vrv in the oh, yeah. um, um, in the the mountain in the Shatter Mountains. There, um, I don't mm -hmm. know if it's still called Tito Vrv or not. Yeah, it is. We are. Uh... Few things named after Tito were ever renamed. There's still the. But not Veles. It used to be Tito Veles. Yeah, I mean, that, that Tito would have Veles. been really too much. Keeping right? every other Yugoslav Republic, uh, you know, erased Tito from the. It each <laughs> had to have one city named after him. Right. And yeah. we had uh, the industrial, uh, uh, toxic, polluted wasteland of Veles, which uh, afterwards helped elect Trump and gave rise to this podcast and uh, gave us the Veles assassins in uh, uh, Solon attacking uh, Saloniki oh, yes. in, uh, in 1903. So it's, yeah, it's quite, quite All a city there. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> quite, well, again, we, today gave is... gave him quite a, 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 a city in his honor. There you go. Yeah. Well, okay, so today is May the 4th. Uh, May the 4th be with you. This is the Macedonian Content Farmers Podcast, episode 70. Wow, we're closing in on a hundred. Around the um, and as uh, as I mentioned there in the monologue, uh, a lot of focus these days in Macedonia on the idea of of elections. Again, elections were supposed to be held on April twelve. Mm -hmm. All the political parties responsibly decided at that time, before that time actually, that elections couldn't be held. But now it's um, now Zoran Zaev is really gung ho and pushing to have elections. I see. I saw an earlier tweet or something that Shekarinska, the defense minister, who mm. was uh, was roundly um, uh, uh, shouted down today as she as she oh, yeah. laid a wreath at the tomb of uh, Godse Delchev, shouted down by uh, protesters saying, "Never north, always Macedonia." Mm. But she too is calling for early elections as well. So, what's what's the hurry? What's the rush? Well, I mean, obviously. It's it's not safe to vote. I mean, we're still, uh, uh, according to the criteria set forward by the by the government, which insisted that the numbers of infected are scary enough to lock down schools, uh, most uh, factories, most uh, businesses across the country, and you know these numbers haven't improved. They remain horrible. Right. And yet, uh, you know, the government considers. Uh, uh, it's normal now to hold elections uh, under these same circumstances. Mm. Uh, and something is off, something is strange in this uh, regard. And uh, as you said in the grim introduction, uh, <laughs> the, the reason obviously is that, uh, you know, Zaev, uh, the country's holding on barely so far economically, but this can't go on much longer. Zaev was proposing cutting public sector workers' salaries, uh, in a bid to save the pensions, which are the, actually the big item budget, uh, uh, which is unsustainable. And, you know, I, I guess he hopes that elections in June or July uh, 
although still not safe for people to vote in these cramped uh, conditions in the same schools which are now closed for the students, but you know, getting a million people through the, which normally vote in Macedonia through um, 20,000. Actually, there are 20,000 voting stations, but many of them are in the same school, so it would be a much more congested uh, um, number of places. Um, it would be dangerous, but then again, it would happen, if it happens in June or July, it would be before we've actually felt the economic collapse. So far, there is only about 10,000 people who have been officially fired. Many more are facing, you know, garnished wages in the public, in the private sector. They're not sure uh, how much longer their businesses will keep them. And of course, if they're self-employed, I mean, they know best uh, the shape their business is in. But uh, nevertheless, the uh, government thinks it's the best it's going to be for a while uh, in June or July, and they want to have the elections then. If they are postponed by October, when you know things would be more uh, stable uh, epidemiologically, you know, economically, it's going to be much worse for the government, and uh, they might really have to cut back on public sector salaries or even, God forbid, a pension or two by then. Mm. And uh, this would be horrible for is the SM going into the elections. Right. So what is it from a legal standpoint? Uh, I know there's questions about how you, well, parliament dissolved. Mm. Um, the elections were never formally, formally, sorry, called off. Yeah. Uh, so from a legal standpoint, does anybody there have any idea on whether 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 there's a coronavirus or not, legally, how you go forward? No, it's a big mess. Uh, the elections were never officially legally called off. The Electoral right. Commission was ordered to stop the preparations. And now Zayaf insists that they can resume where they left off, which is like 20, 30 days, I don't know how deep into their preparations. The Commission, uh, it's led by an opposition official and... Uh, he said, like, unlikely we can just continue where we ended. It would probably, you will probably have to come up with a new solution, uh, a new date agreed between all the parties, and uh, somehow declared, we're still not sure who can now declare elections now that the parliament is dissolved. Um, Wilmerau proposed holding a meeting of party leaders to discuss, to set a date, while Zaev tried to reconvene the parliament on his own even though it was dissolved already. Uh, they made one attempt to gather legal experts from both political sides to discuss how they can call off the elections or freeze them, but they couldn't reach an agreement and no other attempt was made. So now there is no parliament. Uh, the Constitutional Court is being pressured by SDSM to recall the parliament again, as they did once in 2016. It was a horrible <coughs> precedent. Mm -hmm. Uh, they were literally told, find any technicality, <clears throat> maybe like even a grammar mistake in the decision, in the order to dissolve the parliament, just to reconvene it. This was under the orders of the U.S. Ambassador Bailey then, because it, it was good for SDSM to have the elections later in the year, in December 2016. Mm -hmm. So uh, they might try to do this again, but you know, it's, we are already a laughing stock of a country, so... We don't lose much more if we, if we, if we recall a dissolved parliament twice in 
four years twice in a row. <laughs> uh, so this might happen. Uh, and, you know, most uh, f ridiculous of all, uh, President Pendarovsky, he has the right to declare a state of emergency, but only once. So he did this, and then people advised him, you know, the 30 days elapsed, right. which are given to him under the Constitution. Uh, to, so right to declare a state of emergency. And so he was supposed to, uh, you know, smartest way for him to go forward would, be, would have been to say, okay, I'm reading the Constitution this way, and it tells me that I have the right to extend this indefinitely. But he said, no, he said, I don't have the right to extend it for another 30 days, but I'm going to do so anyway because people are dying. And everybody was mm. like, Jesus Christ, this person. So we have... Uh, the government has legislative power right now under the state of emergency, but the person who signed off on the state of emergency acknowledges that he had no right to do so. So it's a complete mess. It's a, it's a complete uh, disaster, legally speaking. Not that anybody well, cares much because, you know... Yeah, I mean, <laughs> legally, um, and not that, you know, the internationals are, are paying too much attention to Macedonia these yeah. days... Uh, our, our friends on the uh, the left, the progressives, etc. Uh, they don't really care. Um, although, and, and I do want to go back. You mentioned one thing about the uh, Bailey and the 2000, like, 2016 elections. And mm. I think uh, we should remind listeners that way back when, <laughs> back then, yeah. uh, the elections kept getting postponed and postponed. Mm. And the, the issue was that the, the left in Macedonia kept insisting that the voter rolls were all wrong and needed to be cleaned oh, yeah. up. And uh, they were never cleaned up, and the left doesn't say anything about that today. So mm. you're right. The, the whole thing, yeah, it's, you know, legislatively, uh, you're, you're, um, you know, economically, uh, in, every way, in every way you can measure it, Macedonia does seem to be a bit of a basket case right now. Oh, yeah. Uh, on top of that, and pivoting slightly, we see a couple of other things going on. So while... The country is a mess politically and economically. The government still finds time to go and remove the star of uh, Kutlesh from uh, public places. Yeah. Uh, exactly, I yeah. think in, in Kriva Palanka most recently. Mm. A really large one in the public square there, I think. And yeah. they, uh, they took grinders and, and, and ground it down. Whereas I did notice that somebody tweeted, I think it was our friend Mario Kristovsky uh, from uh, Ohio, that uh, mm -hmm. noted that uh, the statue of Gotze Delchev there in the Skopje uh, Gradsky Park, <laughs> uh, so, somebody was laying a wreath there, but it, the thing is just covered with graffiti. Mm -hmm. so, so they have time to remove uh, a symbol of Macedonian pride uh, with power tools, but they don't have time mm -hmm. to remove the graffiti from a statue of Gotze Delchev. Priorities, man. Yeah, Priorities. yeah, this is one of the humiliations uh, of the week. And at the same time as all that's going. Exactly, yeah, humiliation of the week. Ooh, we could do that. Instead of a farmer's pick, we could do humiliations <laughs> of the week. <laughs> humiliation of the week. It's more easier <laughs> to come up with new examples. <laughs> What's your farmer's humiliation of the week, Svetin? Yeah. Um, and so, so speaking of humiliations of the week, so our Bulgarian friends, I'm using air quotes, I'm using friends in the... Uh, meaning in which it is not meant to be friend. Uh, mm. Our Bulgarian friends continue with their full court press. Uh, threats, subtle threats uh, in, in, in various ways from various government officials there that mm. if, uh, if Macedonia doesn't get on board and deny its history and its identity and 
if it doesn't insist that that Gotsidoto was a Bulgarian, then the e then they will block EU talks. Um, and and of course, the EU is totally silent on this. Even our and our mm. friend, international friends on the left are, are silent on that as well. Um, although I did see going back to Stevo Kantorovsky, the president, mm. he I think he said somewhere whether or not he's being truthful or not is another question. But he said that if we have to give up our Macedonian language, then EU membership isn't worth it. Did I get that right when I saw that? Yeah, he did say that, and he's getting a lot okay. of flack from it, from Albanian parties, Bulgarians. And he's not honest about this, obviously, because sure. the whole thing for Stevo and for Zaev was that we have... Even Stevo, going back when he was advisor to Cervinkovsky, uh, that was when, uh, let's say, 28, after Bucharest, 27, okay. 28, 29, uh, 2008, 2007, mm-hmm. 2008, 2009. Um, it was Pendarovsky and who formulated the position that, which was pretty novel for us then, that uh, if we are, have the choice between changing the name and national humiliation and, uh, you know, as a condition to join the UN NATO, we should choose the humiliation and the UN NATO. We can't uh, go on without EU and NATO membership. This was as actually formulated by Tsarvinkovsky. Well, Pendarovsky was his main foreign advisor. So, hmm. And Pendarovsky would breathlessly brief journalists on how important this change in strategic outlook is after Bucharest. Right. So for him now to go back on this is really ridiculous. Well, as Zayev repeatedly said in the lead-up to um, the so-called press of agreement, uh, there is no alternative, quote-unquote, which, of course, is a logical mm-hmm. fallacy. There's always alternatives. Um, but uh, he ran that through with the support of the Western elites and the Gang of Eight, so-called, uh, and uh, you know, basically ignored the consent of the governed. The re- failed referendum uh, made the changes. So uh, Macedonia is now in NATO. Now the next step, of course, and as we talked about this, I think, on the podcast last week, Svetin, that uh, mm. it seems that Greece and Bulgaria are tag-teaming each other. So uh, the Bulgarians are making the bet that since Macedonia already traded its name for NATO membership and a little bit of its identity, now Macedonia will also be willing to change its, uh, its, complete the change in its identity, deny the the, the language is Macedonian and its heroes, etc., for EU membership. I don't know. I don't know the intricacies of the European Union. No, but but the the idea of, you know, the... The idea of um, a, a fra- negotiating framework, I think, is the phrase that everybody keeps using uh, for for both Macedonia and Albania within the EU come June. And I have no idea uh, if if uh, an individual state can block that or not. Oh, yeah, sure, sure. Easily, okay. this is what Greece did. Okay, Bulgaria is not Greece, but then again, you know, uh, we are packed, teamed with Albania, so a bunch of other countries are also not. Uh, eager to have us open accession talks, and not to mention that we signed on to the treaty, uh, the 2017 treaty between Zaev and Borisov, which clearly states that these are things we must do. We undertook right. the obligation. So Bulgarians are completely right in the letter of the treaty and in the spirit right. of the treaty. They're completely wrong in uh, that it constitutes good neighborly relations and that it will lead to friendship between Macedonians and Bulgarians, I have never in my life seen as many insults aimed at Bulgarians as over these past 10 days. Oh, can I join in? (laughs) (laughs) Feel free. I mean, I I don't, I'm, 
it's too much for me to follow up on the Greek dispute with the Bulgarian dispute. I mean, I'm tired and worn out of all yeah. this, and I don't want to go that way. But definitely the Bulgarian position of blocking Macedonia from opening new accession talks until we accept their uh, terms on uh, on their reading of history, especially as it comes from a really a friendly and close nation, unlike the Greek. I mean, you kind of expect it from the Greeks. Sure. Uh, you don't expect it from, uh, you know, your cousins, essentially. Mm -hmm. uh, and uh, this is absolutely having an adverse reaction among Macedonians and all the usual slurs uh, Macedonians sometimes use for Bulgarians and now which you normally don't hear like for years until something like this happens and mm -hmm. then it explodes. You can hear it all the time now and Bulgarians are uh, responding in kind online. And uh, yeah, so it's uh, <laughs> definitely deteriorating relations between the two countries. Mm -hmm. And uh, I was just reading Boris uh, Karakachanov, so Borisov, the prime oh, minister. Right. Uh, he's... Uh, I don't want to do this. I'm being forced to do this by Karakachanov, my defense minister. Listen, I respect you. But then he makes sure he scores points, like humiliating Vimmer officials when they meet together by secretly videotaping the meeting while he's playing tough guy, you know, this Balkan macho guy. But then, you know, this is unsustainable, his position, that uh, we just want some concessions and then we'll acknowledge that you are an in independent country. This was also said by Ekaterina Zaharieva, the foreign minister. You acknowledge that you are Bulgarians, that you speak Bulgarian, that the language was made up by Tito, blah, blah, blah. And then we'll accept that you are Macedonians and a separate nation and country. And that's like a middle of the road, but it's uh, very sl slimy for me, honestly. Well, the defense minister, Karakachanov, he, mm -hmm. he sounds like the man with the plan much more uh you know assured in what uh in a longer term vision if what Borisov and, and Zaharieva and Andrei Kovachev, the European member the member of European Parliament who officially announced the blockade for Macedonia are seeing is clearly geared toward them winning points with the electorate well mm -hmm. Karakachanov is sounding like a man with a, a, a plan for the future and he says we are forcibly divided. We were one nation, but we still are. We were forcibly divided. But then I foresee that the time will soon come when we will be reunited again. And he's, you know, a defense minister of an EU and NATO member state is speaking about unification with a neighboring country. Hmm. Uh, and he then warns us something that the Serbs used to do when they would try to get us to join them in a rump Yugoslavia uh, he also says, and you know, don't forget that if things go on as they are now, you would have a d much different problem. You would be a minority vis-a-vis -vis the Albanians. You will have an Albanian president soon in your country. It will be led by Albanians. So you need the bigger brother to protect you, and you will ask yourselves for the unification of Macedonia uh, uh, with Bulgaria. Right. And uh, so, yeah, we have... Uh, you know, exactly as we predicted, that the weakening of the Macedonian national identity will lead to a scramble for partition of Macedonia. Well, again, yeah, and as and we talked about this last week, I'm I'm working on a new column, and I I had a link to my article about that identity as national security, uh, national identity as national security, 
you can't have a, a, a certainly a, a NATO uh, member, a NATO state uh, that this is ripped in two physically. Uh, hmm. That puts uh, that puts the very idea of NATO itself at risk. And I would think that the the uh, the leaders within NATO, certainly our our friends in uh, quote in in Russia and China, are you know thinking about that as well. Uh, but if a NATO member state, Macedonia, were to be split in two and divided amongst its neighboring neighboring countries, whether they're NATO members or not, that certainly puts the whole question of NATO uh, on the table. Uh, and what does it exist for? Um, I'm, I'm as you were talking, I was looking this up. Are the next um, uh, Bulgarian parliamentary elections are a year from now, so they have to be held by May of 2021. So, mm -hmm. uh, you know, to your point of that, you know, a lot of this is political um, electioneering on their part. That's true. Uh, but, you know, and, and I, they're, they're doing what they need to do for their own self-interest. Uh, on the one hand, I get that. But what are the Macedonian politicians doing? Um, and we talked a little bit about Stevo. I see that Zoran Zayev here said basically that we have to implement this so-called Treaty of Friendship in cooperation with Bulgaria yep. and put aside our differences, etc. So he's basically saying, give them what they want. Am I? Yeah, am, yeah okay, right. So, and then, then the question then becomes for the Macedonians is, how long are the Macedonians going to put up with Zoran Zaev and Shekarinska and Oliver Spasovsky and all of these others who are basically handing over every bit of Macedonia and Macedonia's identity and pride and heritage and culture and language mm -hmm. to neighbors. How long are the Macedonians going to put up with this guy? Well, I mean, as in any other European country in the U.S., you have self-made people, self-reliant people who do not want to be pushed around. You know, you have the farmers, you have the people who run businesses, people who work something with their hands and their minds, etc., and these people want to have an independent uh, country. Mm -hmm. They have no, uh, you know, mortgages around uh, uh, to the extent you know that they would accept somebody, uh, you know, imposing humiliating conditions on, on them. Or um, they want to have decisions made here. They want they them to uh, that they are the ones who make the decisions in Macedonia. These were the people who voted Vemera. These were the people who voted uh, for Macedonia to leave Yugoslavia as it was collapsing, to have our own nation state, our own country. Uh, and, you know, <laughs> in an ironic twist of history, Bulgaria was supporting this movement in the 90s because it wanted Macedonia to secede from Yugoslavia right. and to be split from Serbia. But now this is no longer enough for Bulgaria. Now Bulgaria wants to make uh, the second step. Some in Bulgaria believe like Karakachanov that now it's time to push for unification. Others uh, are just scoring points along the same lines or playing the same game. Uh, the other portion of the Macedonian, ethnic Macedonian population are, you know, the public sector workers, the elite that was elevated in Yugoslav times, not because they were uh, competent or if they, because they were <laughs> uh, valuable, but because they were loyal to the right. regime. Yeah. Oftentimes they would be plucked from a village, from abject poverty, and dropped into Skopje, given villas on Vodno, the exclusive part of the city, and tenured jobs, and uh, like being academic or a professor or whatever. And these were the people who were most loyal 
uh, followers of the Yugoslav regime, whatever, uh, which was trying to undermine the Macedonian national identity and to replace it with a Yugoslav, South Slavic identity, which justified Macedonia remaining with other South Slavic countries, primarily Serbia. Right. But, you know, these people are such sellouts that they supported communism and Serbia, essentially, uh, while in Yugoslavia. But now, because they have no way of winning, coming to power on their own, they're thoroughly debunked uh, in the public, um, they needed, they, they latched on to the EU and uh, American diplomats here in Skopje to be brought to power uh, in the Colored Revolution 2015-2017. And now they're, you know, openly offering their services to uh, to Bulgaria, to Greece, regardless of the fact that their previous, their fathers, in some cases, if they're older themselves, served uh, the Yugoslav regime against, specifically against Bulgaria and Greece, like Dinko Malevsky, like Borja Jovanovsky, mm. like Vlado Buczkovsky, the former prime minister, they are now all coming out of the woodwork and declaring their complete support for the idea that we were once the same people with the Bulgarians, that Gotsa Delchev declared himself a Bulgarian. It's, uh, you know, both pathetic to look at them and also, you know, given my sentiment for these people, it's deliciously, you know, ironic and satisfying to see <laughs> them. But ultimately, you know, given the, add to this the uh, number of Albanians in the country as voters, it's quite enough to break the country in two because... Uh, if the Macedonian left keeps making concessions to whoever comes along and in the future it might be Turkey reasserting itself, it might be China. There are even some colored revolution supporters of Zaev who are now openly working for China. I mean, I'll, I'll send you the links there. <laughs> there is one of them from Spain who is now hired by Huawei. So it's not oh, completely that, out um... of the... Uh, Ferrero, Herrero, oh, some okay. lady. Okay. Yeah. Uh, are, is, are they, are they declaring themselves as ethnic Chinese now? As Han? Uh, Chinese? It's coming. <laughs> it's coming. It's going to happen. They will. I mean, I could, these are such sellouts that they would uh, either support the resurgent Turkey into the region or China if it comes, or even Russia. You know, yeah. whoever comes, they were communists, anti Western uh, socialists. Yeah. Now they're uh, pushing the notion that if, unless we join NATO, we are destroyed. Right. I completely see them in the future. You know, they supported Serbia, Serbian unity. Now they're uh, declaring themselves retroactively as Bulgarians. Uh, I completely see them supporting, you know, whoever comes next in the region, ideologically, religiously, uh, no, no matter how different they are, uh, that these people, the left in Macedonia, would completely follow their line. And, you know, I think that some honest Bulgarians although their uh, sense of pride is nourished by the humiliation of Denko Malevsky or Buczkowski, I, I guess they realize that they're buying the, uh, you know, the cheapest uh, goods we have to offer in this country. While, mm -hmm. you know, the, the decent Macedonian folks on the right who want a Macedonian nation-state, who have never in history said any bad word about Bulgaria, actually our fight was for decades back to liberate ourselves from Serbia, you know, we're like, guys, I mean, this is, if this is the way you want to do it, if you want to emulate Greece, fine, but 
this is going to have long-term consequences. For us, for the region and the country will not survive this. I mean, uh, right. you'll get your wish, but uh, it's going to be bloody. Yeah, I suppose, you know, taking a 30,000-foot, 10,000-meter perspective, this is just kind of a, a, a replay, a repetition of the same old scene going on in any, especially any Western country. We have the same divides here yeah. between those who, you know, be, between the, the progressive left uh, and, and those conservatives like me who believe in conserving the union, which conserving in our case, conserving the founders' vision for these United States of America with a distinct uh, ideology and, and um, government and, and economic system, etc. Uh, and you see the same thing going on throughout Europe, of course. Uh, in all of the nation-states of Europe, you've, you've got this divide. Uh, now, and, and I think, as you, to your point in Macedonia's case, I think it's a little more potentially deadly and dangerous in that it could literally split the country in two. We see other places, Belgium, of course, uh, where you've mm -hmm. got uh, these, these, these potential real divides. Um, and if you were to get down in the weeds uh, and really start looking at each country case by case, you'd probably see the same thing. But, yeah, it's, it's these, uh, these, these elites that you mentioned, that um, uh, the same as the elites here and, and whatnot, that, mm -hmm. that don't really have a loyalty to anything. Um, or anyone um, other than themselves, and they're mo most interested in their own power, prestige, yeah. uh, the money, and the perks that comes with it. The, these are the Carl Bilts of the world, um, mm. although he's not flying these days, uh, <laughs> so he can't tweet from Dharma. must be killing him. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, poor Carl. Um, yes, so, well... And that ties back in. Him, uh, some flying simulator game to just keep him on his toes. Oh, I saw. I saw. This was fantastic. Um, a, uh, a friend of mine sent me a, a, a short video clip of, of somebody. When you're really desperate to fly, so a, tre a treadmill, uh, you know, a standard uh -huh. treadmill that you want. All right, so yeah. this this lady is is on it going backwards with her little cart, luggage cart, and it's moving very slowly. Uh -huh. And then and then the next scene is she's waiting for her luggage to come down the cart, the treadmill cart as well. So, you know, then she picks it up and walks off. Uh, yeah. That's when you're really desperate to, to, be, uh, to be back up in the air and flying. Um, yeah. So I thought... You know, um, actually, our, our uh, one of our mutual friends, I'm not going to mention his name, um, but lives there in Macedonia. He uh, he wrote me a few months, two months ago at the start of this thing, and he said, it'll be a miracle if you ever get back here. And now I'm beginning yeah. to think, gosh, maybe he's right. Um, it sure seems like it's going to be a while before I can uh, can get back to Macedonia. Yeah, it's going to take a while to process the notion that... Uh, I mean, I have friends who have split families, yeah. found themselves on the opposite side of the pond, and... Yeah, it's going to be difficult to ever get get back there or, or hear from there. Yeah, but it'll happen. It'll happen. Um, mm. uh, and we want to try and keep this as, as COVID-free as possible, uh, this podcast, because there's enough of that. Uh, but tying back into what we started with in the elections, uh, so kind of to sum up that part of this, it, we, we just don't know um, when the you know when when the government itself is even going to be able to decide. You know, when when the elections are going to be, uh, and in the meantime, you just muddle through, I guess. Yeah, yeah. I mean, uh, women are in no hurry for elections. They're obviously stainless, and this is the. Uh, it's not safe under the terms and conditions which you declared. You know, the 
your healthcare ministry declared. Obviously, there is some uh, uh, dissipation in HDSM, which Bamaro is eagerly looking forward to. Like there was, uh, the mayor of Kumanov is now openly splitting with HDSM, and this is the oh, yeah, biggest branch in the in the party. This is HDSM. After Strumitz, it was their main power base uh, during the Grevsky term. They held on to Kumanov, which is a huge. Uh, uh, power base for, for them and uh, you know they completely botched the uh, coronavirus uh, response in Kumano which had the worst uh, numbers so far in deaths and uh, um, you know and in infections and the mayor is now openly you know revolting against uh, the wing in his DSM which is uh, scraping off the star of Kutlesh from monuments uh, he said I served in the army under this star I'm not going uh, uh, you know, to denigrate it, and it's just next door to Kriva Palanka there, the right. the road. neighboring cities. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So he's now leading a faction in his DSM, or is com- he may even completely split from the party and support Wimmer in the elections. Wow. He has a fight with the prime minister, the mayor. The prime minister is also from Kumanov, Oliver Spasovsky, mm-hmm. and they have a fight within the party, and ob- apparently this contributed to their slow response to helping the city. While the people who are doing this to their own country, uh, you know, destroying the symbol, uh, the ancient symbol, uh, like the mayor of uh, Palanka, he is uh, a Soros uh, NGO, uh, uh, former head of a Soros NGO, USAID funded. So this is the other wing, the bought and paid for wing of the party. Well, um, you know, you can still find SDSM people who are self-made, they led a large uh, like Zaf, way back, they led a large party branch. They were successful in their city, like Maxim Dimitrievsky in Kumanov, and they they have not, they do not have this type of mortgages uh, they owe to the internationals. Right. So you know, Vemer is looking at this and saying, okay, well, bring it on. Let's uh, let's have more of this. Divide and conquer. Yeah, yeah. It is. I mean, it really is a huge humiliation. I mean, it's really very difficult to. Even for a complete brainwashed ASDSM supporter to go along with, uh, I mean, I've seen there are people who haven't tweeted about any of this Bulgaria stuff who would be normally be avid, uh, you know, not only followers of news, but they would post in English their take on the news. And they have nothing there. They're trying to accuse Mitskovsky, the Vimero leader, of mm-hmm. going to a gym to exercise during the curfew. Like, this is the big scandal they have on him. <laughs> and they're probably using a dated tape of him. And they're, all their tweeting is about this and, uh, you know, lame stuff here and there. But, uh, you know, what are they going to say? They're being humiliated uh, constantly. They're, uh, the treaties they signed, they're obviously having the effect which we anticipated and they did not, that this is going to be an endless string of humiliations and is going to tear the country apart. So maybe I missed something. So this, uh, um does the M stand for masochist now? <laughs> yeah, it sounds like a BDSM. <laughs> Maybe it is. Uh, dear, a sad group of people. Uh, and I'm yeah. sure I have some friends that are citizen members. I uh, I don't openly poll people who are friends to what party they belong, whether in Macedonia or here in America or anywhere else. Um, so, uh, But I'm sure I do have some... Some friends yeah, that are literally, literally yeah. traitors, even in the 
but you know, in any definition of treason you take, I mean, this is literally working for foreign interests against your own country, and not not only once. I mean, this is the same thing was in two thousand and one. Uh, you know, tracing back the actions of individuals like Butchkovsky and Verushevsky and Tinkomalovsky and Pendarovsky. You know, it's the same thing. They were they were openly working for. It's going to continue to uh, cleave Macedonians along other lines. I mean, we have, uh, you know, we had the Vlach minority, which have been completely incorporated in Macedonian, uh, in the Macedonian nation, right. considered an integral part, uh, uh, often praised for people like uh, Pitu Guli or uh, mm -hmm. Tosha Proevsky. Mm -hmm. And, you know, now you have a, a Vlach person come out in support of... Uh, uh, the treaty with uh, Bulgaria and say, well, listen, uh, you know, let's take the, an individual view of identity. We do not, all of us will be individually free to state what we want, but this is, you know, the, in the collective sense, you know, we can disregard whatever our history books say we will individually, you know, and they're trying to push this notion mm -hmm. and people respond to them in, in an ugly anti-vlog term. Hmm. Because, you know, it's not his identity. Right. Uh, his identity is secured. Uh, but he's, you know, musing that I should give up my Macedonian identity. And, you know, this is obviously not raising hatred between Macedonians and uh, Bulgarians, uh, which is very predictable because you know, we do not want a close, friendly country, which we always admired, to, to block us from joining the EU, mm -hmm. and now you have, you know, the a subgroup within the Macedonian nation uh, also, you know, uh, we have many ethnic Serbs who would declare themselves, you know, uh, Serb, one parent is Serbian, another parent is a Macedonian, they would declare themselves as Macedonians. They do not want to stand for this humiliation. They are now assuming a more pronounced Serbian identity. They say, well, listen, I, you know, if you're going to Take this, and if this is if you're going to be second-class citizens in this country, I have a spare country, and besides, I can play my minority card here since everybody else is playing, playing it. Mm -hmm. So yeah, this is going to chip away at the Macedonian nation. I mean, this is the same as in Bulgaria, in uh, Greece. All of these nations are, you know, Greece also considers the Vlachs integrated, the Macedonians integrated. If something like this happens to Greece in the future, inshallah, <laughs> you know, we would see this these cleavages reappearing. People will remember that their great-great-great-grandparents considered themselves Albanian or Macedonian or Vlach right. or Turkish even. You know, they would start considering, listen, Karamanlis, that sounds Turkish to me, right? Mm -hmm. So, uh, or uh, what was the... Venizelos? No, who was the... Uh, the fat guy who was, uh, oh. you know, obviously yeah. Albanian. Uh, from Pasok? That was, uh, yeah, that was yeah. uh, Vangelos Venezuelos. Yeah, yeah Venezuelos, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Well, so yeah he looks like Jabba the Hutt, so... Yeah, yeah. <laughs> May the fourth be with you. <laughs> so, uh, we'll definitely, you know, if a country is brought into this situation, such cleavages would reappear. Right. And uh, this is happening to us now. Yeah, well, unless, of course, the uh, if you read the headlines, uh, then coronavirus is going to kill everybody first, so... Uh... Maybe that's yeah. the saving grace. 
<laughs> well, I, we, I think we've talked enough about humiliations. That might be the title of this podcast. I'm not sure. We, have to, mm. we always come up with that after we finish with the podcast. Um, but, um, yes. Uh, all right. Well, we will um, stay tuned to the, the, uh, the mach- political machinations in, in Macedonia to see what, uh, what the leaders come up with in terms of elections uh, while following... Uh, uh, the Bulgarians to see what new uh, humiliations they demand uh, mm. as we and we're just getting started this is the beginning of May and, and uh, the EU is going to meet in June I think so but the days fly by what day is it anyway oh wait no I know uh, yeah. Yeah. right so yeah <laughs> that's the question on everybody's mind what day is it um, yeah I keep missing some uh, routine tasks which I normally do on a given day and I keep Keep forgetting about them. <laughs> yes. Well, yeah, I'm, I'm fortunate. I, I still have an office I can go to. There's nobody here. There's only one other person in the office, and some days I don't even see him. Uh, so I'm still able to do that and keep my routine by my, my morning hike to try and keep somewhat yeah. fit, although it's getting hotter than hell here. So, uh, uh, yeah. so uh, it's, it gets harder and harder. to. You have to get up earlier and earlier to hike uh, before mm-hmm. it gets too hot. So. Anyway, what else do we have to talk about? Anything else? Any any more humiliations? <laughs>